0: for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. All right, you guys, what's going on now? It's episode number 227 of the Ron and Don Show.
1: What and is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, don't
0: forget, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can do that. It's really easy. Right?
1: Yeah, ronadonsitdown.com if you're thinking about buying or selling. Or if you know someone who's in the market uh, and they don't have a good agent, have them contact us, or you can contact them on, on your, their behalf. Uh, we can get you a buyer's playbook, a seller's playbook, do a Ron and Don sit down with you, and put together a game plan because... There's a lot of moving parts, and it's pretty overwhelming.
0: Yeah. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we are real estate agents at Windermere, and the market's real hot right now. And we're going to tell you five things that you have to do before you go shopping for a piece of real estate. Five things, okay? Uh, Also, we're going to talk about TikTok and TikTok stars and social influencers, and how and why are we seeing so much suicide right now with a lot of these social influencers Uh, That had been born and made lots of money. Some of them multimillionaires by the time they're 16 on platforms uh, like TikTok. Also, should you brush your teeth before or after you drink coffee? Before we get to that, let's get to this. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ron and I have been lucky to go there, to be there. In fact, they have a radio studio there. And radio groups come from all over America and all over the world, and they will broadcast live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio. And that's just Ron shutting my window uh, in the background. So every year I say, Here's some people, here's some groups that we think should be in the Rock Hall. My thing is John Denver should be in the Rock Hall. People say, well, that's not rock and roll. Well, we're looking at 16 acts now that have been nominated to go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And when you look through the acts, really, the only hardcore rock and roll act, current act that you'll see today... The Foo Fighters, and even that, you guys, is pretty damn poppy. It's pretty poppy when you compare that to well, Iron
1: Maiden's on the list. This the year. way
0: that we, I'm, I'm saying today is, I don't, I don't know that Iron Maiden's out touring. Uh, and Iron Maiden, when we think of rock and roll, do we think of Iron Maiden or do we think of the Beatles? That was also very poppy. So we could get in that argument. Here, here's what I want to know, and I know that Ron has opinions about this. Should it be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or? Should it just be called the Music Hall of Fame? And would that open more doors? Because I know what the Rock Hall is trying to do here. They're trying to include more acts uh, black and brown communities. They're trying to include more acts that are way outside the genre of rock and roll. Because then it has more of appeal. More people want to come to the Hall of Fame. More people are talking about this uh and sometimes the bigger the better. If you just stayed in that lane of, hey, we're only going to look at rock and roll acts, and then you have to ask yourself, well, what's a rock and roll act? Cuz when you listen listen to the Beatles, the Beatles today would be playing on uh, if if you introduced the Beatles today, they would be on Star 101.5. Star 101.5 in Seattle is not considered a rock and roll station. It is considered a top 40 station. And a lot of things that we think are rock and roll are top 40. And thus, I come back to John Denver, the man, the myth, the legend. John Dusseldorf Denver, he belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And damn it, he's never, ever been nominated. Uh,
1: I think a long time ago, the ship sailed on it, the genre of music and more of the spirit. Did this artist, did this group, were they the spirit of rock and roll? And by that, I, I think the Rock Hall means did there's all this popular culture all this music happening across a bunch of genres including rock music but were the was the act rock and roll so johnny cash it was johnny cash rock and roll in spirit You know, he played country music, but he was definitely rock and roll. Like he put a dent into the culture and changed the culture in a way that was more outlaw, more outsider. Um, And so he's in the rock hall because he's a rock. He has the spirit of rock and roll.
0: Same chord progression, though, as Elvis Presley, and people would see Elvis as rock and roll. They wouldn't see him as a pop artist.
1: You know, he would be rhythm and blues. So you look at this current class. And I think what the Rock Hall is doing is saying, we want to induct musicians into this Hall of Fame. It just happened to be called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're not going to change the name. But I think going forward, it probably would be more of like the Music Hall of Fame. Because, you know, Beastie Boys get in. Are they rock and roll in spirit? They come from a hip-hop background, but the, the spirit of the band is rock and roll. So if you look at someone like Jay-Z, who is nominated this year, is he rock and roll? I would say yes, without a doubt. The spirit that he brought and his background, and growing up, and you've read his biography, I haven't, but growing up, you know, dealing drugs, escaping that culture, making important music to the culture, he's definitely rock and roll. Foo Fighters, you mentioned, of course. LL Cool J, another act that has this outsider rock spirit, of course he goes in. Uh, You look at Rage Against the Machine, absolutely Rage Against the Machine, which was this hip-hop, hard-rock hybrid. So you, in my mind, even Iron Maiden, I hope that they make it in because they definitely had their place, the New York Dolls. Um, and then to your point, Shaka Khan. Um, so Mary J. Blige. Let's take a couple of those acts and go, all right, are they just being open minded for open minded sake? Or does someone like Shaka Khan or Carol King or Mary J. Blige or Kate Bush, uh, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick, these are all acts on the, the, the nominee list this year? Should we change the way we think about them and what it meant 25, 35, 45 years ago to break into a male-dominated industry, to even get a record contract, to not have to traffic just in your sexuality but in your talent? So in that sense, Tina Turner absolutely put her in first ballot. Like no doubt about it, Dionne Warwick, Shaka Khan, Carol King. I'll have an argument with you about those particular acts. If you're going to keep, in other words, if you're going to keep Rage Against the Machine out and put Carol King in, I would want to debate you on that. But if they're both going in, I don't have a problem with it.
0: You don't realize good Carol King was until you go back and listen to Carol King. I I listened to Carol King yesterday when I when I was looking at these different artists, and I you just sometimes you forget. We just like like going back and listening to Jim Croce on a live a live record, sing operator, uh, and play his song and play it with his guitar. It's Jim Croce playing it. It's not someone else that they hired to play all their instruments. There 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 is something about. It. So so let me ask you this: Dixie Chicks, controversial. They're
1: called the Chicks now.
0: Now the Chicks. They go in at some point, they play all their own instruments, they write all their own music. To, to me, that to me, that that's more important than having the spirit of rock and roll. Did you write those songs that you performed and what did they mean to you? Uh, and a lot of the artists that we just named, they did write a lot of this music. We don't see as much of that anymore, especially when we look at top 40 and when we look at country today, you have a lot of country artists out there that you 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 don't feel a connection with them. It's just a dude with a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And he's the next hottest thing for the, the next 18 months. And I bet his name is Luke or Colby. Colby. Uh, and then some at some point, uh, the Toms and the Tims uh, will be back.
1: I think the Rock Hall's done a decent job in saying the history of this music goes back to rhythm and blues, blues music, soul music, church music, black music in America. And even country music can be traced back. Like the banjo is an African instrument mm-hmm. um, that was taken over by bluegrass. So I don't have a problem with the chicks getting in. Um, I don't. I, when you go to that building and the IMPE designed, you know, pyramid that's in the front and the, the rock hall and we've walked through it. And I've actually been in the back in the, in the storage locker area, which was a fascinating trip. It. You're celebrating music and important people throughout the culture. So, whether that was John Lennon or John Legend, uh, you can appreciate it because you're in a museum and it makes sense when you're there uh, to see. It's like, oh, that's Jimi Hendrix's couch. Holy cow. Like, that's Prince's outfit. He's smaller than I thought he was. Like, you, you go through that and you see the artifacts, you see the lyrics written on hotel stationery and ha- longhand. And it's sort of these these people become people to you. And so uh, keep it broad, keep it broad. John Denver.
0: Hmm. See you on that side.
1: If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Started out
0: right away with Don, helping us look at the options. Like here are different ways you can approach the sale. Of this house, I've bought and sold
1: a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron; he was incredibly well prepared. They were just really impressive, and the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide their services were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the on the offer date for over asking price. We did amazing it was the best case scenario we couldn't have done better it couldn't have been a better experience when we first sat down they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood they had several suggestions on you know when we should go on the market what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market i couldn't be happier with the experience we had
0: we all celebrated it felt like a team victory We were all just jumping up and down.
1: They were passionate and they they were just honest and straightforward. And uh, no, everything's great. Uh, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, So I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com.
0: Now here's those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Rana and Donna. <laughs> All right, you guys, as you heard, uh, we are licensed brokers at Windermere. We do something called the sit-down. The last three sit-downs we did, uh, we're getting ready to bring a home on as a result of the sit-down. Some folks are moving out of the area, and they want maximum dollars. So we've come up with a plan to do that just this week. Uh, someone else. Not ready to buy, but they will be ready to buy in six months. So we're working with them over the course of the next six months to get their credit score in a place along with a lender where we can go out and be competitive and we can buy a house in a very competitive Seattle-Tacoma-Olympia-Everett market. Pretty crazy uh, right now. And then another sit-down, it was just just kind of exploring what it would be like right now to buy a home. These folks are all the way over in the U.K., and they're like, hey, we'd like to find a home in Seattle. Can you help us? So all different people, all different places in life. And what we do with the sit-down is we try to figure out where you're at in your real estate journey. And I always love the fact that my my son's teachers, they say we try to meet each student where they're at. That's kind of what we're doing with the sit-down. We're trying to figure out where you're at and, and so we can meet you there and see how we can help,
1: right? Yeah, and there are markets in America. Like if you lived in, in, in uh, the middle of Oklahoma – you could probably buy or sell your house pretty easily. Uh, But in Seattle and the surrounding areas, Pacific Northwest, it is competitive. You need a team. You need expertise. You got to be ready to roll. You need multiple strategies. You got to understand all your contingencies and know how these levers work. Uh, It is, I I think back when my parents bought their house in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you just kind of walked onto the street and you did a deal. Like it was, there weren't, You know, 17 people lined up that day to look at that
0: you But if you screwed up, it wouldn't pin you to the ground for 500 grand. Like here in Seattle or Tacoma or up north, uh, wherever we're buying and selling homes, you make some of the wrong decisions in these contracts. And you can go upside down pretty quick. And if you're trying to buy a 500 or a million dollar home, and you make a $100,000 or $200,000 mistake, or you buy something that everybody passed on because everybody knew about the foundation and you didn't and you went ahead and bought because you just got caught up in the moment. Good luck now trying to turn around and sell that home because you know it has a crack foundation. Legally, you have to disclose that. You have to. You have to disclose that. So anyway, we'd love to sit down with you. Run it on Let's Talk about TikTok real quick. Uh, I know some people that are on it. I know some people that are making money doing it. And it seems like through the course of this pandemic, we see families on there. Uh, we see people on all different types of platforms.
1: I gotta show you this one thing on TikTok that you're gonna love. Yeah. It's it's a band. Uh, and they have both guitar players put a salad strainer on their head, yeah, and the singer and bass, the drummer behind them hit them are hitting them with beer bottles oh. on the head. It's great. You yeah. think it's gonna be dumb? I don't they do cover songs, it's fantastic. I
0: don't have TikTok on my on my phone, and I'm not going to. All right. Because I already see the time that I'm spending on my phone doing business, and it's like I, I know people that have got caught up in TikTok, and they no longer are interested in their jobs. They're no longer interested in their partner. They're no longer interested in their kids. They just sit there for hours and hours it's, and it's hours. a time suck and, and and watch TikTok. So so that could, I'm no better than anyone else. I just know I could get sucked into that vortex, and I'm not interested. What what about kids becoming famous? We saw a lot of kids in Hollywood. In fact, the young man that played Arnold, Different Strokes, uh, used to live very close to me. uh, And I met him, and we played together a couple times when we were little kids. He's Since then, Gary Coleman has passed. He was on Different Strokes, had a really, really hard life later on, ended up being a security guard. Todd Bridges had a tough life. Uh, Todd Todd Bridges ended up in the penitentiary. Dana Plato that was on that show committed suicide. Uh, She was living in an RV. We just... We hear all these stories of some of the kids that were on the Brady Bunch, the Partridge family, all that. Danny who lives down the street from me and does a great a morning show here now. Uh, he went through 20 years of addiction as a result, and it all
1: started on the show when he was on the Partridge The family. only one that came out unscathed was Doogie Hauser. That's it. <laughs> He's, I'm serious. He seems totally uh, yeah. well adjusted. So, so,
0: so with that said, and now we're seeing stories almost every day of young TikTok stars that are no longer with us And then the story will come out a couple weeks later, hey, they committed suicide. Are are you concerned about all these kids becoming stars at such a very young age and making all this type of money and then having all this pressure because it's all about being a social influencer, right? And if I can be a social influencer and if I can keep raising the bar on myself and getting more views and more people to follow me, that turns into cash pretty quick. And as a result of that, you have some really young kids out there that are multi-millionaires. Uh, but it seems, it seems to me that a lot of these stories of suicide is something that is a culture we need to pay attention to. I,
1: I agree with you. It's hard to tease out what part of that is being on TikTok and what part of it's the pandemic. You know, there's, there's a lot of different... Uh, isolation and loneliness and things that are happening right now. There's a bunch of different overlays, but I think you're right. I, I try to imagine. You know, I know I hang out with your son from time to time. Let's say all of a sudden he, uh, you know, in a couple of years, started to build a following on on a platform like this, and was like, "Hey, Ron. Hey, Don. I'm I'm making X amount of money um, on this." thing doing what I love to do I'm talking about whatever it is I like to talk about or doing a maybe he's playing his trumpet whatever it is and so he starts to make money and it's like I want to buy my own car now it's like all these things there's most of me would say that's awesome good job until it reached some point that you're talking about I think there is an inflection point where it absolutely takes over your life and now you become you know a star quote-unquote Um, I think the parents and the kids have to work together, um, to figure that out. I think of the little kid that the highest grossing YouTuber, uh, he makes $12 million a year unwrapping toys. Kids like 12 or might even be 11 years old. Uh, his family has chosen to do that and toys R us partnered with him and he has his own line of toys, et cetera. Um, is he going to go off the rails when he's 16? I don't know. But that's, that's a lot of pressure for a kid. Yeah.
0: There's a, there's a new story out today, and it says the, the worst question, and this is from the School of Psychology and Psychology today. The worst question that you can ask a child is, What are you going to be when you grow up? And then trying to funnel them toward that. You want to be a neurosurgeon, don't you? And then you start funneling them toward that. You want to be a lawyer someday, don't you? And you funnel them toward that. You want to be a social influencer someday and funnel, they, uh, funnel them toward that. I, I have a friend who recently uh, lost his business in the pandemic and he has now started this other business and his business couldn't get any traction, but he has a young six-year-old and he's building this business and then all of a sudden in this business now, his, his six-year-old is getting traction of kind of being the spokesperson now for this business. I think it's one thing for your kids to be exposed. So like when I go out and do demo on, on one of my homes, I do demo once a week typically because it's fun, you get to stay in shape. And and I get to learn about more about homes and meet people and it it it, it I just love doing it. I bring him along cuz I want him to be exposed and I didn't have anyone teach me how to use tools growing up. So this is how I use a jackhammer. Uh, this is how you wear safety goggles. He has his own helmet. He has all his own safety equipment. So, so I'm trying to make him a part of that. Sometimes you'll see him in pictures with me on social media, or even on this podcast, you'll hear him, uh, between, uh, our segments. So I want to expose him to that, but I've never told him when you grow up, you should be a broadcaster or when you grow up, you should be a social influencer. Or our business isn't based upon whether my son is going to walk in this room and say something and be cute. And, 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 and that's what I saw my friend doing, and I talked to him about that. I'm like, is you, are you just exposing your son, or are you kind of using your son? And sometimes with some of these kids that are standing there, we, we don't understand that when they're rolling through TikTok, there might be somebody on the other side of that camera, and it's a parent, and that parent is using that kid to make those $12 million because a lot of times kids didn't fall into this on their own. So I think we just have to be really careful about giving kids their childhood back because social media and the way that information comes to them is so fast. They say for you and I, when we were growing up, uh, let's say that we have the maturity in 1985 of an 18 year old. They say that, that, that same child today, maybe 13 or 14 years old just based on the information that they've been given. And sometimes that information creates pressure. And I don't like when I see families pushing kids into doing things, and now they're chasing likes? Because now, now the way that they feel about themselves and the way that their brain is being wired, they're, they're, they're looking for those strokes, those likes, those hearts, those loves, those followers. It's just
1: children adults are doing and, that too. And when they don't
0: get it, when they don't get it, some of them decide that they're going to take their life. So that's my concern right there when it comes to a social influence. Brushing your teeth. Do you brush before or after that morning cup of coffee? We'll talk about that in of this.
1: Ron and Don, from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com.
0: All right, you guys, episode 227, and don't forget, if you want to sit down with us, just like all our great clients have this year, you can go to ronanddonsitdown.com, and you can pick a time to sit down with us today. We're going to talk about brushing your teeth before after coffee, before we get out of here, before we get to that, though. Let's talk about real estate. It's a hot market. You want to be a buyer, and Ron and I have quite a few buyers uh, right now. Here's five things, and Ron, I'm just going to ask you to, to, to riff on this. I'm going to give you five things I feel like people should do before they go out and buy a property. And one of those things is called a CMA. You do something called a live CMA with people. In fact, you did it this morning during a sit down. Talk about the live CMA uh, that you do because it really makes neighborhoods come to life. It's super cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, the important thing to know where you're looking, what is the velocity of that neighborhood? And so um, draw like a literal box or a shape on a map and say this is my spot I want to live within these boundaries. And then, you know, what I can do is pull all the action that's happened inside that box or that shape uh, in the last six months, let's say. And now you want to look at it and go, how competitive is this box? I want to be in, I want to be in that neighborhood. And if you uh, look the two biggest things that I look at are how long are the properties staying on when it, when a new house becomes live inside that shape, how quickly does it go pending? Uh, very important. So the shorter that number, the more competitive that neighborhood is. The second thing is I, I look at the price. Um, do houses inside your search area, do they sell below list price, at the list price, or above the list price? So if you have a very small number of days that they stay on the market and the price tends to go up, you are in a very competitive geography. And so that's what the CMA does for me is it sets a mindset of going, okay, if I want to win in this area, I need to compete. Yeah.
0: What happens in a hot market? Like we saw a house this morning that had been on the market 121 days. And that's my second point before you go out and buy and you look at the CDOM basically it tracks how many days on market. Uh, Do you get concerned when you see something that's on for 121 days in a market where things are typically selling in 16 days? Of course.
1: Yeah. I mean, you want to figure out what is the story? Why is this thing doing what it's doing? And so what
0: are the possibilities?
1: Well, for me, one could be, you could have a delusional seller that says my house is worth a million dollars and the market looks at that house and goes, no, it's not. And so people just don't go look at it. They're not interested. And so what can happen in that scenario is the house gets tainted. People start to think, well, why is it on the market so long? And then the price, they do a price drop, price drop, price drop. Eventually, they will find a price if that's the only thing that was wrong, that uh, people will become uh, attracted to it. Uh, the other scenario could be there's something legitimately wrong with the house, or you have a person selling that is not easy to deal with. I was going to use a more derogatory word there. But sometimes you, you know, a house will be on the market and the person's just not reasonable and people don't want to deal with that. They're like, I'm not going to deal with you uh, or the agent could be unreasonable. And so you want to figure out what is the story and is there a remedy to it? I just showed a house last week that the family really liked and there was a repair that needed to be done. It's like, Hey, this is not necessarily a deal, deal killer, but it's a substantial repair. So if you want to buy, if you want to pursue this house, it's been on the market for a long time. Most likely it's because of this defect. It's, it's not the end of the world, but it's not nothing either. We would have to address it. Yeah.
0: How come when you're buying, so number three, think about the exit when you're buying. We always talk about multiple exits. Why do you talk about the exit of a property when you're just beginning the journey of buying a property? Why is that important?
1: I think because it depends on the, the property. So if someone, let's say someone moved here and like, hey, uh, I'm buying this house my, uh, we're going to be there for four years, I'm going to college. Let's say I need a house. We're going to be there for four years. Um, well, if you overpay for that house, you might not have a long enough runway for that deal to, to pencil. And, <coughs> excuse me. uh,
0: if you, now you know that we don't edit.
1: Now you know, you there edit. it is. So, um,
0: did you sneeze on me six feet away?
1: Oh, we're way more than six feet away. Mm. So, you could have an exit strategy. So take that same scenario. And if you're like, dude, this is, we want to be here for the next 20 years. I'm going to raise my children here. Uh, We have no intention of moving. We love this house, love the neighborhood and our, our child's one year old. This is the house we're going to grow up in. Well, now you could say, okay, well you realize you're at the top of the range on what the, what this house is worth. But in 20 years, you're going to look back and go, that was great. In four years, you might look back and go, eh, I'm not breaking even here. So that would be thinking about an exit strategy in my one scenario. There's yeah. a lot of different scenarios. Let's like
0: talk that. about leverage. Specific, there's all kinds of leverage we could talk about. Let's talk about escalators. And t- for a lot of us, escalators is something we jumped on when we used to go to the mall with my girlfriend, Cindy Sanchez, uh, back in 82, the Coronado. Did you go to Coronado or were you a wind rock guy in Albuquerque?
1: Oh, I did both malls.
0: Yeah. And you have your arms around each other. And, you, and then when girls got designer jeans, you would put your hand in their pocket and then they would put their hand in your back pocket. And It'd you be would the walk
1: middle over. of July. Don's walking in his boots and his jean jacket. Dingoes. <laughs> I love this. It's like Don's a hundred degrees. Why are you wearing a With jean my jacket? leather
0: gloves on? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about escalators for you to go by. Why is it? Why is an escalator? And understanding the leverage of an escalator, why is that important?
1: Let's take the scenario that I I drew up in point number one. You realize by doing this research, I'm in a competitive geographic area. And so I just had this the other day. Someone asked me, would it be better for me to have a bigger down payment or to be able to go to a higher number? And I said, in the areas you're looking at, a higher number. So have less money down and, and make the number go bigger. Because you need to realize, if I pull up that stat and I go, most of the houses you like are selling at 105, 110% of asking price, then we need to set your expectations of a lower priced house that's going to escalate to that number. So let's, let's for easy numbers, let's say it's a million, like I'm approved for $1.2 million. Well, if you start go looking at $1.2 million houses, they're not selling at one, two, those houses are gonna sell for one three or one three five, and now you're out. So you need to look at million dollar houses, and now you've got a cushion to where when you find the one you love, you're gonna escalate it to 1.1. You're gonna put it 10% more maybe on top of your offer. And now you have a chance of winning that house. If a lot of people make the mistake of like, well, I'm approved for one million. So I'm looking at one million dollar houses. Okay, you're you're in this market, you're not getting that $1 million dollar house. Yeah. Cause they're not gonna sell for a million.
0: Yeah. And sometimes let's talk about pulling your credit score on yourself and really thinking about the credit that you have versus just allowing lenders to start pulling credit scores and opening files. Sometimes before you open a file with a lender, why is it important to sit with that credit score and really be honest with yourself about, hey, I might be approved for 1.2, but there's some things I didn't tell the lender that are going to come up with student debt or three car payments that I was late on. It's one thing to be approved and not underwritten and if you don't know the real number walking out the door of what you're really approved for, uh, then you could be in the middle of a contract and that whole thing could fall apart. You could end up losing money as a result of that. And so some of the hard work that you need to do before you go shopping for a house needs to be done by you and needs to be done. If you have a partner needs to be done by your partner and you have to really sit and be honest, don't you?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think of it as as a chef and what they call mise en place. You have all your stuff Ready and chop. We've all been in that thing where you're going to make dinner for your significant other. You get three quarters of the way in, the fire's going on the stove, and it's like, Where are the mushrooms? I didn't chop the mushrooms. And so now you're trying to chop up the mushrooms. The thing starts burning. You get an oil on your hand, and now you got a blister. If you would have just had the mushrooms ready, you throw them in. You can't get in the middle of the deal and go, Where are the mushrooms? Mm. Uh, well, the underwriter's got them. You, the underwriter, you need to know. Where where that stuff is, it all needs to be chopped up in their little bowls, ready to cook. So when we're ready to cook, we need all the ingredients. They all need to be measured. We know what ingredients we have and which ones we don't have. And now we can put together an offer. And sometimes you just go to a person where it's like, you're not getting this house. You, You love this house. We can take a run at it. But I'm telling you right now... This you're you're not ready to get this one.
0: Yeah, because you didn't do your work up front. Right. And if you would have done your... And sometimes what happens... Sometimes people,
1: you do your work up front and you still don't get that. Yeah, mess.
0: sometimes also what happens is people don't do their work or as much work or 70% of their work and then they got out leveraged by somebody else. Even if they offered more money, the terms weren't good and, and they end up losing the deal. And then that motivates you to go, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to underwrite myself uh, before I asked to be under that, that it, if It's
1: competitive. I just was talking, our office mate, Emily, uh, that we work with, we looked at the same house together with different clients. She got that house. It was their fifth offer. Oh, good for her. So this is a couple that has go, Emily. been going house after house. Good. So imagine if you wanted to write five offers, how many you had to look at to have five you wanted to write with? So they've been touring, touring, touring. They, they're... They've done all their work. Mm -hmm. They lost out one, two, three, four times, and then they got this one. Uh, And so you got to be ready in it to win it, as we say, back on the the Randy Jackson days. Yeah, I like that.
0: All right, before we uh, get out of here, do you brush your teeth uh, before or after coffee? Uh, You and I have a morning sit-down together, and we kind of talk about our real estate business and life and fatherhood and where you travel. Just kind of a lot of stuff we talk about on the podcast. Uh, when do you brush your teeth and when do you think the right time to brush your teeth?
1: I typically do it after the cup of coffee. Yeah. And am I, am I doing it right or am I doing well, it wrong? Well, you read the
0: article because I sent it to you. Did you read the article?
1: I, I skimmed it. But like I. <laughs> what did you learn? I learned. I, I, well, I don't remember if it's that's right or wrong.
0: No, you're supposed to brush before. Ah, And there's a magic window uh, where if you go in and brush your teeth and actually sometimes, and I'm not a dentist here, but. Sometimes brushing without toothpaste can be important for your enamel, and they say it helps to protect your enamel when you go in and you brush your gum line and the enamel before you actually drink. Did the first they cup read of
1: about? Uh, did you read about overbrushers? Yes, like yourself that brush yeah. seventeen times a day. Yeah, you can brush too much.
0: You can brush too much, but I. I don't know if I overbrush. I stopped,
1: a, I stopped brushing in the car. I'm probably a three time a day guy.
0: Okay, I brush. I still brush in the shower, and I brush after every meal. I, I have a toothbrush in the car, but I was overbrushing when I was driving around, like just brushing.
1: You're probably at six or seven. Too much.
0: Yeah, I was brushing probably seven, eight times a day. Uh, I just like brushing. I you like, do like
1: it. You like to clean.
0: Well, and I got. I, I have my, my son has an automatic uh superman toothbrush now. And uh, he seems to really enjoy it too. So anyway. any uh, final words before we get out of here this week,
1: uh, email me, Ron at windermere.com. <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> I, I would love to help you buy. There's nothing more thrilling to me, especially if it's someone's first property and it can be a condo or a house. The joy you see when you, when someone made a plan executed the plan, and now they're living at the end result of that plan. It's really, really fun.
0: Yeah. Hey, if you want to read the defund on the refund uh, article I wrote, and we talked about that this week, uh, you can go to our Facebook page. We have multiple Facebook pages. A good one to go is just go to Ron and Don Radio. Uh, we also have Ron and Don Brokers. But the best thing to do, what's the big umbrella? Is that just-
1: Ronanddon.com.
0: Yeah, Ronanddon.com. You guys keep your head up, your shoulders back. Thanks for giving us great lives. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for believing in us. And uh, for some of you, thanks for going on the journey. Uh, with us. Your real estate journey has been a lot of fun. All right. Anyway, here's my son to take us out. And we'll see you next time. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back
1: and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. Ha 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 ha